You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Weirder and weirder. That sounds like my Christian life. My name is Wendy's husband. (laughs) If this is uh, your first Sunday, I strongly encourage you to come back and hear Pastor Lynn. Um, And I want you to know, Pastor Lynn, that we, we talk about you when you're not around. And what we say, and I know I can get witness to this, is what we say is what an amazing job you do with the Word of God week after week after week. And I praise God for you. Amen. Uh, some of you, some of you may not like me. I didn't ask for a show of hands. <laughs> I fully understand. Sometimes I don't like me. I want you to know as I stand here, though, that I don't know all of you. Some of you I know, but every, everyone in here, I do. I love you. And I want God's best for you. And though you may not understand me, you may not know me. Please don't let that get in the way of what God might have for you today. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you love to travel? Be honest now. Okay, think, okay. So some of you, I know, you wouldn't raise your hand. You hate to travel. I understand that. Um, Some of the reasons you may not know me is because I'm on the road all the time. About half the time, I'm traveling. I want you to know, I hate to travel. How many of you have been out of the state this year? How many of you have been out of North Carolina this year? Okay, I can't tell. looks like maybe 60% of you, something like that. Maybe 40% of you haven't. I hate to travel. Years ago, before cell phones, I went to New York City. And in my ministry, I was required to go into Manhattan, and I was in Secaucus, New Jersey, and then I took the bus over to the Port Authority. And the Port Authority in New York City, if you've been there, is this huge, kind of nasty bus depot. And so I got over there, I did my meetings, then I had to come back. And on my way back, I had to take two buses. And I got on the bus, there were 23 people on the bus. And as we came back, I made first stop. We made our first stop. 21 of the people got off the bus. I'm a little nervous. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking. It's just me and the bus driver. Something must be wrong. Sir, does this bus go to Secaucus, New Jersey? He said, well, no, sir, it doesn't. He said, that would be 369B. This is the 369A bus. Now I'm starting to panic. He says, I'll tell you what, sir, I've got three options for you. He says, you can go back to the Port Authority. And I want to tell you this, the Port Authority, if you've been there, is the last place in the world you want to go back to. Or he says, you can stay here and wait for bus 369B, and that'll take you to your destination. Oh, no. He says, you know, that first option isn't going to work because there are no more buses. 
And that second option, that's not going to work either because when, you, when that 369B bus gets here, you're going to get on it, but you don't have the right ticket. So that's not going to work either. Or he says there's option three. You can walk. Walk. I, so I, I said, sir, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I've never been to New York City, and you're going to make me walk? Sure enough. He pointed to these signs over here. He pointed to these lights on the horizon and said, if you walk toward those lights, you'll get, you just walk right through that alley. I went, alley? You just walk right toward those lights and you'll get to there. Now, I am telling you, I take off. I'm running down that alley. I'm in my nice pants and nice shoes. And all I'm wondering is, are they ever going to find my body? (laughs) I hate travel. I'm just saying. A few years back, I had a simple dream. I don't dream about Jesus often. But in my dream, as I was teaching in a conference, like I often do, over on the side, Jesus was standing. And Jesus looked at me, and he said to me, Al, come. Let's go deeper. And whether you're a strong Christian this morning and you've been on many voyages like that one up there, or maybe you are bitter in your heart toward God, or you're 20 years old, or whether you're 80, or whether you're from Ohio or Caldwell County. You know, sometimes, and if you were here last week, it doesn't matter, but you hear this phone ring sometimes at an inappropriate time, and I'm hoping it's not my phone. And sometimes I approach messages just like that. I assume it's for somebody else. I'm hoping it's for somebody else and not for me this morning. I want to encourage you. And maybe God has a message for you this morning. Come, let's go deeper. Follow me. And you can see this in your notes in the back of your uh, Bulletin, I can't think of the other word. Update, there we go. Follow me is a command from Jesus, the Son of God. Luke 5, 27 and 28. After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and he got up and began to follow him. The Greek word is akothelutheo. And basically, you don't need to know all that, but it has the idea of the word road in it. And basically, it means follow me Get on this road. Matthew, I'm guessing, was the kind of person, kind of guy that sat behind his computer and did his work behind the computer, maybe a white-collar person in work. And Jesus called him right where he is, and his, his calling was something like this. Come on. Get up from what you're doing and come follow me. Leave your past journey behind. Come forward. Follow me. And then there was Matthew 4, 18 and 19. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now these are different Greek words interpreted in English as follow me. But it doesn't really matter. The basic point is the exact same thing. Get up from where you are. Get on the road. Get behind Jesus. Follow him. Now, Jesus was calling in this passage every day, blue 
white-collar workers, furniture builders. And if he, was, if he was calling us today in this county, he might look at some of you and say, look, you've been building excellent, strong, sturdy furniture. And now, follow me, you're going to be building excellent, strong, sturdy men and women and families. And I want to use you to do that. He calls the white collar, the blue collar, and he calls religious people. He calls others. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Same Greek word as the last one. Come, follow. Tired, you hard workers. You're burdened down. Some of you work so hard in physical labor. Some of you are mothers. You're young mothers. You may be single mothers, and you're responsible to take care of kids, hold down a full-time job, and take care of the home and maybe some other relative in your house. That's who he's calling. Saying, you're tired? Are you overwhelmed? Any of you understand that feeling? And then he says, the heavy laden. And I got to tell you, I love the way this is in the Greek. You know what it means? It means those that are overwhelmed with ritualistic ceremonial activity and their whole life is filled up in rituals Religious people, their, their lives are filled up in rituals. And basically, it's like this. Come on, you Baptists. Come on, you Presbyterians. Come on, you Catholics who live your lives full of just ritualistic activities. And come, because I'm going to release you from that and give you rest. And you know what the word rest means in the Greek? Rest. You know, it it can be translated recreation. That he has recreation and joy. If you get on a journey like that was pictured up there, an amazing, joy-filled, fantastic journey. That's what God might have. Come, follow me. Can you hear that? Let's go deeper to a better life, a better boat, a supernatural voyage. Every one of these passages, Jesus uses words that are in the imperative, it is a command which requires that the hearer hearer do something about it. Let me repeat that. It's a command that requires that the hearer do something about it. Now, let me show you how that would work. It would be like if if I said to my son-in-law back here, Jared, big guy back here, and I said, Jared, come follow me. You see him just shake his head and cross his arms like that? Or if I said to my friend Brian over here, Brian, come follow me. Or I, or I said to Travis back here, Travis, come on, come follow me. And Travis said, he's stuck back there a little bit. When Jesus said come, he meant surrender your current direction, change directions. It meant giving up your old existence and getting on the new journey. Get rid of the past journey, a new GPS destination, and begin the new voyage. Now, some of you that walk with the Lord, some of you who have strong relationships with Jesus, you understand this, right? There are oftentimes many more callings, many journeys that God has us on. And you may think I've already done that. 
You know, I'm done. I'm retiring now. I'm moving forward. I don't know. Or some of you have never got on a journey like that. Your life is boring. I mean, sure, you get up, you do this, you do that, you go to bed, but your life really has got no tremendous joy or excitement in it. I want you to take notice. He called Matthew, who was an IRS man. He called Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who were fishermen, while they were by their boats. He called them to a new existence, to exchange their old life for a new life. In Luke 5, it says this, From now on, you will be catching men. Now, in one sense, isn't that what God has called every believer to? When I hear that, I've heard this countless times in life where somebody, a, a preacher, a pastor would say, God called me into the ministry when I was age 15. Brothers and sisters, you know this, right? You study the scriptures, right? God has called every believer into ministry. Every believer is into ministry. From now on, you will be catching men. We were at, Wendy and I were at a Operation Christmas Child volunteer conference. We have a great privilege to walk alongside Operation Christmas Child and train different leaders. And we were at this conference where we had the great privilege to meet a man named Lalo. And Lalo oversees, through his ministry, through his ministry, he is the national leadership coordinator from Mexico. He's a businessman and he's a volunteer. And through his ministry, over 340,000 people came to Jesus last year. And do you know why? Because he's an incredible fisherman. And he understands that using one of these boxes to touch a child's life is the best way to also get to adults. Do you know that 70,000 out of those 340,000 were adult men and women? Isn't that amazing? All of us are on a journey to live out our life, right? Every one of us is. And all of our journeys start in different places. Where were you when Jesus called you? Where are you now? Are you in a profession you know, when it may be hard for you to understand now or even believe now that one day I ran 296 yards in a football game. And in my senior year, before I was decimated by injuries and sickness, I was an undefeated wrestler. God called me when I was an athlete in high school. But I want to tell you what else I was. I had so many addictions in my life that you don't want to understand and even know. My life was messed up. When God called me in my life. My life was a mess. When Jesus called me. Where is your life? Maybe you're a truck driver. Maybe you were a truck driver. I drove a truck for a year. Maybe not like the one you drive. But I drove a truck for a year for Pepsi. Maybe you're in law enforcement. Maybe you're a teacher. October 19th was the 16th year. That signaled that was the 16th year. From the date of the anniversary of my mother's death. And my mother loved Jesus when she died. I mean, she loved Jesus. She had a tremendous, close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Do you know? Do you know that when, my, when Jesus called my mother, she was living with a man. She was single. She was a secretary. 
And it was the seventh man in her life in the last five years. But when she surrendered her life to Jesus, everything changed. And you know what? She's good with me telling you that. Because everything changed in her life. And she started a journey just like that journey. My brother Dave's a former cop, and he shared the gospel with a gang member one time, a guy named Kerry. And the gang member said, I'm not sure I can give up my life. I'm not sure I can give up my life. And my brother Dave said to him, Carrie, but your life sucks. See, some of you, you have messed up marriages. You have messed up lives. And you won't give them up. You're holding on. You're tied to a bungee cord. You're holding on to your baggage. And you won't give it up. Follow me cannot be heard with your ears, only with your heart. Jesus may be asking you to go deeper, whether you are an unbeliever or a strong believer. But you can't hear him invite you to the next journey he's trying to lead you on because you're deaf. You know people with hard of hearing? Do you know that, do you know that teens... And those 15 to 20 can hear like at 20,000 or 18,000 hertz. And that a lot of us that are older can only hear about 12 to 14,000 hertz. Do you know they hear things at different levels? It's impossible for us to hear. Did you know that? How about in spiritual hearing? Now, I grew up in a family of six and TV was on. I want you to think video games for just a minute. Do you ever know someone that was so focused on what they see on the video or on TV? They're in the zone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I get to have to talk to my brother from time to time. Jim. 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 Jimmy! What? What? Why are you yelling at me? Nobody in your house like that, huh? I can't hear because I'm so engrossed in unimportant things. I get wrapped up in too many sports games. I get wrapped up in my house. I get wrapped up in my everyday boring life so much I couldn't possibly hear because I've got these earmuffs that are so big. Could be my fears. My sins, overwhelming anxiety, a sense of responsibility overwhelming me that I can't hear because those things deafen my ear to the call of God. And maybe, maybe God has been yelling to get your attention, to step on a journey or go on another journey, and perhaps you're not listening. Isaiah 6, 9, and 10 says this. He said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. We need spiritual hearing, the hearing of the heart. The voyage that Jesus is asking you 
to go on is a heart voyage. In order to hear, you need spiritual sensitivity. We all need sensitivity training. Deuteronomy 10, 15, 16, 3. Listen to this. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them. And he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples as it is to this day. So circumcise, so circumcise your heart. God is for you. I want you to say that with me one time. But to say God is for me. God is for me. Say it again with me with conviction. God is for me. He loves his people intimately. You know what? That is hard for me to hear. That is hard for me to hear. God is for me. God has affection. He is jealous for me. Love like a hurricane, I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. A song David Crowder Band sings. You know, in the Hebrew in this passage here, set his affection to love them. Do you know that word love is the most intimate, the most intimate of words in the Bible. And it is the same word that is used for sexual love. God loves his people Intimately. When I was a teen, I used to cut up chickens. Well, my dad had a business of chicken distribution, and I would cut those chickens up. And one day, I had a knife in my hand, because we were pretty much like butchers, that's what we did. And I took the knife and slipped my thumb. And in that very spot, now I got some shots. They shot Novocaine. Wow, I found out my my thumb was incredibly, incredibly sensitive. But right on that very spot where I had the 7 to 14 stitches, whatever I had at that time, because it was a deep cut, you could see a line. There's still a scar there right now. And do you know that there is no feeling on that very spot? It It is numb. It is numb. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I can't hear God because my heart and my life is spiritually numb. I have calluses on my heart. Deuteronomy, it says this, circumcise the foreskin of your heart in the Hebrew, literally. Now, just picture that, what he's saying to us. He loves us, and then he's saying basically this. Picture your heart with calluses on it. You know what it's like to remove a callus? And how numb it is? But if you remove that callus, that's what he's saying. If you remove the foreskin of your heart, then you can feel again. There's something in your life right now that's caused you to be so callous. You know, and we're talking about Operation Christmas Child. You know, some of you may be callous toward that organization. I was out playing golf one day. I had my Operation Christmas Child hat on. And this guy says, yeah, that's $7. What did they do with that $7? You know, and I wanted to slap him upside the head. 
Now, he lived up in Jefferson County. He was a Baptist. What do they do with that $7? I said, sir, have you ever tried to mail a box from Jefferson County down to Hickory? Do you know what it would cost to do that? I said, with $7 in these boxes with Operation Christmas Child, it is a miracle this gets overseas. There are over 100,000 volunteers besides the 5.5 million people that collect here and 8.5 all over the world. There are 100,000 volunteers in the United States that serve to make sure this box gets together intact with integrity overseas into the hands of a child and presents it as a gospel opportunity so that hundreds of thousands of children will get saved. Sir, it's a miracle what happens at $7. But he had a callus in his heart. He couldn't hear. I was out the other day, and I'm not as gifted as some of you in sharing the gospel, but I was sharing the gospel with a man the other day, and I don't believe he was a believer, but he thought he was. And as I was sharing with him, I could see he had a callus. And his callus was what deafened his ear to the call of God was what he said was, I have known so many preachers that are immoral. I've known so many preachers that are immoral. They, they, they're fake. They're not the real thing. That was his callous. He couldn't hear. And basically what I said to him was, look, I'm going to tell you what my brother told me when I was a young man. Because I saw him sin and I thought, man, you're a phony. You're a hypocrite. And he told me this. He said, Al, I'm always going to be a sinner. I'm all, and every preacher you meet is always going to be a sinner. Every Christian you meet. So if you're going to use me as an excuse, you can forget about it. Because Jesus, he's the real deal. Amen. And you take a look at Jesus. Because he's the one someday that you're going to meet and give account of your life to. Now what is your obstacle You and I can try to use any excuse, and I don't care if you're, I care, but but what I want to say to you is I don't care if your Christian parents abused you, a pastor in the past was immoral, a friend hurt you, a Christian friend let you down, some church let you down. I'm just telling you, Jesus is the real deal, and you still have to make your own decision. To go deeper, you need to cut the callus. Following Jesus requires you make a decision. Not all said yes to Jesus' invitation or his command. Luke, 50, uh, Luke 9, 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, and go and proclaim the gospel everywhere, proclaim the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you. Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. How many of you know that saying, I will follow Jesus, and following Jesus are two completely different things? How many of you know that saying, I love you, to my family is way different than actually loving my family? 
And how many of you know that saying, oh, I'll put together a shoebox is way different than actually putting together a shoebox. Although I know, true of you, you do an amazing job with putting shoeboxes together, and I praise God for you. It's your decision and no one else's. Matthew 4, 21 and 22. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And I've heard Lynn mention this before. Pastor Lynn mentioned it before. I wonder how it felt for Zebedee to lose his sons from the family business. How I was torn when my son left our ministry. You know what? I know people still in their 50s that are still living out their parents' dream. They're still living on their parents' faith. Still controlled by their parents' fears. And whether you are 15, 18, or 80, something God is teaching me is this. I am responsible for my own feelings, choices, and behaviors, and no one else. I will not stand before God with my mom or my dad by my side or my pastor behind me, and I'm able to look at them and say, you know, they let me live like this. You will stand before Jesus alone. Not making a choice is making a decision. Matthew 25, 25 through 28. And you know the story. Jesus tells a story about a master or a guy that had a bunch and he gave five talents to one man. And that guy went out and took those five talents and multiplied it into ten. And the Lord said, your master said, great job. And then another one, he gave two. He took two. He multiplied it into four. And he said, great job. And then he took one to this last person, right? You know this story. And this is what the last guy said. He said, here's what I did with my talent. He said, I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered him and said, hey, that's okay. Don't you worry about a thing. I mean, you've heard these messages, pastors done on the seven letters, right? You see that Jesus' language to us is pretty direct. Here's what you did well. You did this well. You did this well. You did this well, Al. You did this well. You stink at that. You need to. Ch- Sometimes we can't hear that part of Jesus. Isn't that right? I remember Jesus told this story. You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. But you, you didn't do anything with it. I want to tell you this. He has a lot of grace, but man, he can just cut through all of my excuses. He can cut through all of my excuses. He puts with the, up so much for me. And I may be like that last guy who got one talent, but I can tell you this. I put it in the bank, and I'm at least making some interest. Some of you think I could never share the gospel. I could never do a big risk, take a big risk for Jesus. I could never do that. Well, I'm telling you right now, every one of you could do something incredible with the shoebox. You can do something incredible with the shoebox. And if I were to tell you this, if you put together 10 of those, there is a good chance in all likelihood that one child will come to Jesus Christ. 
by the results that I've seen and watch these people, watch the results come in year after year, there is a good chance you'll see at least one person come to Christ if you put together 10 shoeboxes. Now, if I told you that and you went home today and did nothing, do you think it's possible? It's going to sound kind of harsh. Do you think it's possible that after hearing that and Jesus might say to you, and you did nothing, and he were to say to you, You watched four football games this weekend, one baseball game, you played a round of golf, and you couldn't put one box together? You know what your problem is? You're lazy. (laughs) I mean, you think? Life is about choices. Nothing you can do about yesterday. But make the next right choice. It's never too late to do something great for God. Joanna Chandler is a prayer team member of one of our staff, Dina Paris. And do you know this? That she just not too long ago left everything she had and she went to Romania to serve orphans with her life. She's in her 80s. There's a woman on our prayer team named Ann Kiefer, and she attends a church called Church of the Apostles. And she just took on this huge responsibility for prayer, initiating prayer for Dr. Michael Youssef, and perhaps you've heard of him on the radio and TV. You've probably seen him. Took on this huge prayer initiative. She just turned 80. How amazed when I was when I get to stand and watch on the stage when my mother and father-in-law, Wayne and Barb, maybe you've got a chance to meet them. They live in Lenore now. And when God called them, they left everything, sold everything they had, and went to be missionaries in South Africa. You're never too old, and you're never too young. Do you know that of the, the people that distribute and oversee volunteers overseas and oversee national leadership teams, do you know that most of these men that do that are in their late 20s and early 30s? They're deeply committed to God. And you're never too poor. You know, this is one of the poor. We live in one of the poorest counties in the state, don't we? Mary Dameron is a friend of mine. Mary's about 90 pounds. She's from West Virginia. She's not much to look at. She doesn't have any teeth. Mary, a number of years ago, saw what could happen with shoebox ministry And what she did was she personally collected 1,200 shoeboxes from her poor West Virginia neighbors. The next year, she went out and collected 6,000 shoeboxes. Do you know Mary Dameron speaks all over the country and beyond? And I've got to tell you, out of some of the most famous preachers, pastors, leaders I've ever met, I've known few people in my life that have ever made the difference of Mary Dameron. Mary, thank God. She's a friend of mine. Oh, what God wants to do with you. You're never too poor to make an incredible difference. Follow me is a faith decision. I love about Mary. She never let her money, her size, her poverty limit what God could do. Faith 
follow me is a faith decision. He didn't exactly say where we were going. I hate that about Christianity. My thought is, I'll get on the ship so long as you can tell me exactly where we're going. And I want to tell you this morning, it requires that you step on a boat without your GPS. You put your life in his hands, in the hand of a captain that you can trust. And some of you this morning, you need to make a decision to go deeper. Can you hear him calling? Is your heart sensitive enough to hear him call? Some of you need to hear his calling and make a decision to get up and move. Some of you need to hear his calling and get up and move. I'm, I don't mean out of the chair. I don't mean out of the, excuse me, I don't mean out of the state. I don't mean out of the country. Perhaps just out of our chair. But he may ask you to move out of the state and he may ask you to move out of the country. And some of us love to travel. We travel from job to job and we travel from marriage to marriage and we travel from church to church. And God may be asking you this morning by faith, stay right where you are. Suffer faithfully. Some of us need to take a big risk today and admit a sin, a secret sin that's been a stronghold or that has paralyzed our lives. And some of you are strong believers, but you are wearing out. Man, do I get tired, and I feel like quitting. Some of you need to make a faith decision to keep walking forward. Some of us need to make a faith decision to do way more shoeboxes. I know some of you go, I can do two. I can do one. I can do two. And I think that's awesome that you do any. I thank God for everyone that you do. But I, I just love it when Mary Dameron speaks, and she'll say, you know what? There's not a poor family in West Virginia. I think it's the poorest state in the country. If it's not, it's the second most or something like that. She says, there's not a poor family in West Virginia that can't put together 20 boxes. She was asked to speak one day at a church of 1,200. And before she she got up there, she saw there was this big banner up there with the church's goal, which was 200. It's like, we're going to get 200 shoeboxes this year. And that's good. Praise God. 200 is a lot. That's an awesome thing to do. And when Mary got up and she walked up to the front, she looked at the pastor. And she said, Pastor, aren't you going to let everybody participate? (laughs) Do you know when she was done speaking, that pastor got up there and he ripped down that banner and he said, we are going to put together 1,200 shoeboxes for Jesus. I hate to travel. I hate to step out in faith. If it were up to me, I'd be living in South Omaha, Nebraska. I would never travel. I'd, have a, I'd be square on the couch with my remote in my hand, and my family's probably going, you do enough of that now. But I'd travel by faith. Every time I leave here, every time I go around the country, whether it's Colorado or Florida or wherever it is, I hate it. I do it by faith. He promises an amazing, powerful, fruitful adventure. Hebrews eleven six it says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He has an incredible journey planned for you. You know Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. At the end of it, it basically says this. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. You get this in the furniture industry. He wants to make a masterpiece out of you. He wants to make a masterpiece. He's working on building his masterpiece. When we get on these journeys, he's going to use us in an absolutely powerful way. He has great plans for you. He called me as a 16-year-old to follow him. And he's transformed me, and he's taken me on several voyages since that time transforming me in major ways each time on every new voyage. He's called me to go deeper. You know, God has taken a poor punk kid like me, delinquent, addictions, rebellious, perverted kid like me. And he's given me and my wife my kids, their family, an incredible adventure. Uh, I just share this. And I'm, it doesn't matter what you think of me. I'm just really concerned about what Jesus thinks of me. But I want you to understand our team, by God's grace, has been all over North America. This been to Africa, Southern Africa, East Africa, the Ukraine, the Philippines, Australia, the Dominican Republic, Germany, teaching leaders from over a hundred different countries all in the last three years. You know why I tell you that? I haven't been on a plane in 12 years. God is way, way beyond my limitation, way beyond my limitations. And I'll just tell you, if he can use me like that, he can use you in amazing ways. As I know, he is using many of you. Luke 10, 1 says this, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them in pairs to every city and places where he himself was going to come. Luke 10, 17 through 20, it says this, The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, see, they got on their journey. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will injure you. He says, don't rejoice in that. The spirits are subject to your name. Rejoice. Your names are recorded in heaven. But this is the deal. God wants to use you. I know God is using many of you. He wants to use you to heal people in our children's ministry. And he's using many of you for that. He wants to use you to heal people that walk in these doors as ushers and greeters, as parking lot ministers. He wants to use you to impact the lives. You don't know what the person next to you, you don't know what they've just gone through as they walk in this door and the power that God can do to use you to bring healing into people's lives, children's lives, family's life. He wants to use you. And it's not in me, and it's not in you. The power 
is as we walk in faith in the adventure that Jesus has for us. But it means surrendering and leaving everything behind. Follow me means leaving everything behind. Luke 5.11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Luke 5.28, and he left everything and got up and began to follow him. The adventure begins now. And I'm telling you, some of us sitting right here right now, God may be trying to get your attention for a new journey, but you can't hear him because you can't hear him say now. Because we have so many distractions and our earmuffs are so big. Oh, but it was different then when he called those people and they left everything. No, it wasn't. Jesus is the same. You heard it in the song. Yesterday, today, and forever. He asked men and women and youth who all have the same hearts. Our hearts are evil back then. They're evil today. And they had the ears to hear. They're just like you. 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 And they got up and they left everything and said, today from now on, it's going to be different. I'm surrendering all to God. They left everything. They left their fears, their bitterness, their pride, their secret sins, perversion, vocation, their savings accounts, their excuses, their past abuse they've suffered. They left their past mistakes behind, their money They left their safe little life. They said, I want to surrender all. I don't know where the ship is going, but I'm leaving my luggage behind. Surrender all. Oh, what God might do if I, if you, if all of us at day three were really to surrender everything to him. Travel light. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has shut down, excuse me, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let go of the chains. Cut the bungee cord. Give up the luggage, the excuses behind. Come, follow me. Can you hear Jesus say, let's go deeper. Today, if you hear his voice, follow me is a today choice. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You have to make a choice to harden your heart and not listen. Follow me is an everyday today choice. And some of you, I know, you've, been, you've come forward. You've surrendered all to Jesus. But I'm guessing one thing you don't know is that that is not... And those of you that serve God, that have great ministries for the Lord, you know this, that every morning you have to get up. Isn't that right? Every morning you have to get up and surrender yourself anew to Jesus. I'm a pig. I have to do it every morning for God to control my life. Follow me is an everyday today choice. And just this last thing. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to step onto a new journey. Give you an opportunity today to let some luggage go. The last thing I want to mention to you is this. Follow me means getting back up every time you fall. Some of you have addictions and then you fall and then you never come back. 
Some of you struggle. You give a new area of your life away, and then, and then you mess up, and you're crippled by past mistakes, and those mistakes have cost you. They've brought consequences in your life. And maybe they've cost you a marriage, a family, a job. But do the next right thing and do it today. See, and if you fall tomorrow, get right back up and confess and keep moving forward. The voyage continues. And take it from a man that God has saved from many addictions. You just keep on getting up. And if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Proverbs twenty four sixteen: For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Now, as the band starts to move forward, I just I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you right now just to consider what God might have for you today. And I want to ask you to do this. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine this with me. You heard me read this verse. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run. Let us get on a voyage. Let us run the race with endurance that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I want you to imagine with me right now that every one of us in this room, that we are on the floor of Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers play. And we're on the field. And we're running the race that is meant to be run that day. And it is 100 degrees. I want you to imagine this with me. It is 100 degrees. And it is 100% humidity. It is hot. And every one of us on that field is wearing a heavy winter coat. And in the stands are packed. And on the front row, there's Moses, Abraham, Peter, Paul, and there's my mom. And there's your relatives that have gone to be with Jesus. And they're filling the stands. Lottie Moon, Ruth Graham, Bill Bright. And they're in the stands. And here's what they're saying. They're saying, you can do it. It's worth it. You can run the race. But they're all encouraging us to do one thing. Take off your coat. Take off your coat so you can run the race. Come on, you can do it. And this morning... I want to ask you before I pray, just keep your eyes closed. And I just want to ask you this morning. Is God asking you, come here, just like he did to me. Come here, Al. Let's go deeper and get on a journey. I don't know where I'm going, but I know he's with me. Is he asking you that this morning? Some of you are strong Christians. He might be asking you, stick with it. Some of you that have been moving around from place to place, marriage to marriage, he's asking you, stay faithful right where you are. Some of you young people right now, some of you that are 10 years old, 15 years old, he may be asking you to give your life, surrender your life to him this morning. And he may be asking some of you to get up and make a major 
move in your life. Now I want to tell you as you come forward, if you come forward this morning, it doesn't matter to me if you do or you don't. It does because I love you. But I just want to ask you this morning, maybe some of you don't know Jesus and this is the first time you'd like to receive his forgiveness. This morning you want to get on in a journey, an adventure. And I just, I just beg you this morning, if God is calling you, to come do that. And whether you have a commitment, you want to get loose from some sin that's a stronghold in your life, you want to give your life back to Christ, or you just know you need prayer for deep endurance today. If God has spoke to your heart this morning, I beg you to just come forward and pray. Talk with one of the pastors up here, or myself or Pastor Leonard, whoever else up here, and we'll be glad to pray with you. But I also want to just ask you, this morning there may be someone in here, and you know you want to give your life to Christ, you've never been baptized, and I just pray, come as you are. We'd love for you to just get baptized in the name of Jesus Whatever God has called you to do this morning, I just tell you this, don't you dare come forward if he hasn't called you. But I want to tell you, don't you dare sit there if God has spoken to your heart and called you. Father God, I worship you this morning, and I beg you, Father, that people this morning would be released, that you would heal people. I beg you this morning, Father, that people's commitments they would make, they'd make commitments to make more boxes, and you'd use those boxes supernaturally. And whatever decision needs to be made, Father, you know, let your spirit speak to their hearts. And I pray, Father, people would just come forward as you call them. In Jesus' name. Don't wait. Just come. Be happy to pray with you. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dayton Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.